Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hi there, I just wanted to jump in and tell you that this is a rebroadcast of my really great interview with Justine Jones from Employed to Serve. Now, I've been listening to their new album for quite a while now. It's called The Warmth of a Dying Sun. And I really loved this interview. And I thought, if you haven't heard it already, then it would be a really good time to hear it again. You see, this was taken when they were on the Greer The New Remember tour and things were just about to take off for the band. And I always think it's good to look back and kind of see where a band or an individual in a band was at that time in their career. So I really hope that you enjoy this interview. Hello, welcome to the Curator Podcast. This is episode 33. Hi, hello, welcome once again dear listener to the Curator Podcast. I am your host Mark Fraser and this is episode 33. Tonight I was at a rock show. Yes, I am recording this podcast the day that it's supposed to go out because sometimes I like to live on the edge. Now you see, it's been a bit of a dry week for content and towards the end of this week that is the week beginning the 25th of January. Two interviews came my way, which was awesome, but they both happened to fall on the Thursday and the Friday. So in this instance, I'm recording this podcast on a Thursday night. To go out on a Thursday night, which let's be honest, isn't going to happen. So if you're listening to this and it's Friday, I apologise. If you're listening to this any day after Friday, then it doesn't really make much difference to you. So... Yeah, I hope you enjoy what's about to happen. On this episode, I have a lovely chat with Justine from Employed to Serve. Employed to Serve are a really sort of crazy math core band. If math core is your thing, if you know what that means, then you know that it's fucking crazy, frankly. And, you know, I only heard their album maybe in November 2015 and I fucking I really really enjoyed it I mean I can't, I can't lie it was I thought it was brilliant and I think they're a great band I mean I love bands that are so it's it doesn't really matter to me like how good a band are as long as they're intense 
employed to serve a band who are both really technically brilliant, rhythmically complex and amazing, and also super intense. And after seeing them live, they are definitely, definitely a super intense band. I would recommend you going to see them if you ever get the chance. Their new album, Greater Than You Remember, is out now on Holy Roar Records, and it's just it's sublime. What more can I say? If you like Botch, if you like Converge, go see them. Okay, so and now it sounds like I'm trying to sell them to you as if, if as if I'm some kind of PR guy, but no, that's not the case. I just really like them. I, like they're one of my favourite bands of the latter half of 2015, and yeah. I was so stoked to speak to one of them. I was even more stoked to speak to Justine because she's a singer and as a singer myself, I really like speaking to other singers because I feel as though I'm on the same wavelength, you know. Yeah, I know, it's egotistical, but hey, I can't help who I am, man. Justine, we're here in Willowspoons, which is a lovely place to do a podcast. How are you doing today? Oh, brilliant. I'm always happy when I'm in the Weatherspoons, so yeah, it's good. Can't, I mean... They may all look the same, but it's cheap paint, so you can't really argue with that, can you? Oh, it's great. And you always got like different uh, independent breweries as well, because I've started getting into beer a bit more because, well, you travel, don't you? So you get to like try all the local stuff, so it's nice. Who doesn't love beer, man? I, like, I don't think I could live without beer, if I'm honest. Yeah, definitely. Well, when I started, I used to be into cider a bit more, just because it was cheap and I was a student. Um, but then you start getting like beers on the rider if you're lucky, so you kind of just change your taste. So that's good. I, I do I do enjoy the rider beers especially when they're free <laughs> oh yeah it doesn't matter if they're warm it's fine warm and like Carlsberg or something it's like I'll, I'll fucking have that like whatever <laughs> why, why would you pay for anything it better like it's free so I don't know if you've listened to the podcast before but the whole general thing of it is it's about creativity passion and inspiration so let's go back to the start right the very beginning when did you first realise that you were a creative person? Um, I don't know, I guess when I was younger, um, I've always been in sort of like sports and things like that, but um, I started drawing from a young age, I liked music, I used to collect like cassettes and then eventually CDs when like they were like the next in thing. Um, and yeah, like photography and just I've just kind of been quite all round. I'm kind of creative, uh, but sort of in the past, six years or so like I've been more into music than anything else so just kind of going with that at the moment so when did the when did the music thing really begin can you, can you remember like a defining moment that you had or um, as in like when I first attended gigs or when you first, when you first realised shit I want to be a singer in a band I think um, I'm trying to think back like I think my defining moment for that was uh, attending Heavy Fest 2012 uh, because I was sort of like was coming out of my kind of deathcore and sort of death metal phase from like 2010 because I used to listen to like Despised Icon and all that and attend all those shows um, and then I went started getting into post-hardcore and then I went into uh, Heavy Fest 2012 and saw like loads of great bands like uh, Rose Massey, Vales, uh, Brotherhood Lake who are fortunately uh, split up now they were a great band um, and yeah like Converge and all the you know the usual suspects and the Chariot so yeah the Chariot and Conversion at Rolo, I guess they kind of really explain the sound of Employed to Serve, which is uh, one thing I always kind of wonder when I'm talking to bands that play like quite rhythmically and technically complex music. And I actually asked Ben from Dungeon Escape on this. It was one of the only questions I had to ask him. It was like, what made, like, why did you decide to make music that was so, it was like that and not any other kind of music? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um... 
I've actually often wondered this myself. I think it's mainly because I have quite a short attention span. Um, and like I love things that kind of grab your attention and like throw people off and they're sort of like trying to nod in a 4-4 formation and all of a sudden it just like completely goes like you know out of into nothing um but yeah I just think it's just interesting and like it engages people a bit more um I feel it's also really hard to listen to if you're not really into it though which is which is kind of why I wonder like it's it's also really it's even as someone that, that has written songs um I find it quite hard to write like that uh, that's kind of why I was wondering because it's like well it takes a certain kind of inspiration to have to want to make music which is I'm not going to say unlistenable because obviously I love it but it's challenging do you know what I mean yeah definitely I kind of like that it's not accessible though because there's a bit of a snob in me I think I kind of like that it's a bit niche and a bit weird um, because I'm wacky no I'm not um, but yeah I don't know I just think it's just something different and like because it's so niche, so when someone really likes it, it kind of means more to you because it's like, oh, this is really difficult to listen to. Thank you so much for like, you know, learning lyrics and learning the weird changes and the you know songs and things like that. So yeah, I kind of like it for that aspect. Do you ever do you ever find yourself gravitating towards melody when you're writing songs? Um, since like we've been progressing as a band, we sort of like you can't do kind of wacky stuff all the time you have to sort of like you know find other avenues to explore um but at the moment we're sort of like trying to kind of evolve and do a few more like melodic bits sort of like bones to break um and cold as the rest on the album they're sort of like more hinting towards what we're sort of gunning for for the next release so i mean that was one of the things i was going to ask you is like the progression of your work is you know it's quite clear to see even even though it's like your debut album, like the past few EPs have been like gradually getting towards this, I guess tidal wave of like just fucking riffs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah, literally, um, it's just what we're listening to at the time. I mean, there's a few like kind of core bands that are like at the sort of centre of our attention, like collectively as a band, uh, like Deftones, um, Gajira, and sort of things like that. So. Um, at the moment, we kind of like listening to more heavier sort of things and like, but clever, heavy, if you know what I mean, like not simple. So we're sort of like um, trying to push ourselves to like be creative um, without kind of relying on changing your time signatures, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does make sense. And it's, it's interesting as well that you mentioned Deftones because like for me, I was, I was there when Deftones were, I knew, were basically part of the whole new metal thing. And to me, they've always kind of felt like that, even though they're not, because they are, like you say, like, like as you like your music, it's sort of like they are kind of more intelligent about it. Um, and it just strikes me as really odd as well that like the kind of music you guys play is, has become more popular, like of late. Not more, not popular, popular, but it's not like when Botch were doing it, nobody was listening to it. And then yeah. you know now everybody like not everybody likes, but a lot of people like Dylan Jug and Converge and stuff like that, which is awesome. Um, but like. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just it blows my mind that people say Deftones has been an influence like that when, to me, they still are this weird new metal band. <laughs> yeah, I think like Deftones have like I think they're I would say they are my favourite band for the fact that they were just so great at evolving and just like captivating their fans like throughout their releases, um, and like I really admire them for that. I think with like bands like Botch, like I love that band, like Daughters, um, like are another favourite. I think, like, as a band, I don't think they fa- I wanted to sort of... Either, like, it might have been personal situations, because, you know, it's, it's expensive um, to be in a band. Um, but I think, like, if they 
didn't want to sort of like evolve and things. I was probably like, well, we've done two awesome or three awesome records. And was it three? Yeah, Daughters is about three debut albums, I think. Might be wrong, sorry. Um, but after that, you're kind of like, well, I don't want to go more melodic and I don't want to change my sound. And I kind of written everything I wanted to. So I guess they must just, you know, call it a day, which is fair enough rather than like dissipating into something you don't want to be. So. Does that worry you that, that might, like, you might get to the stage where like you've kind of expended all the extreme because your music's quite extreme <laughs> the extreme avenue that you've got and like that push towards melody might not necessarily be something that you guys want to do um, I think with us I kind of feel like I'm trying to think we as a band like at the moment we sort of like want to use Rowe to Massey as our sort of our kind of role models and that because they have constantly sort of evolved over like I think they've been a band for like 10 years now um <laughs> it feels really weird that I'm big and mucks there. My friend sort of thing. Yeah, kiss ass. Um, but yeah, like, because... What am I trying try to say? It's like, basically, we kind of want to go for the long haul, basically. And because we love, like, writing together, I think that's going to be, well, hopefully going to be the case for us. And because we're not, like, narrow-minded in what we like, uh, like, if anything is good, then we'll, you know, go for it. Obviously, we're not going to turn into, like, a pop band or something like that. But there are so many different avenues we can explore in heavy music, um, and I feel like we're going to try and utilise that. So when it comes to that that sort of natural creative progression, um, obviously you're never you, obviously when you're inside the process you don't see it happening, but obviously it, it does happen. And obviously greater than you remember is like like I said a huge step forward. Um, but I just it makes me kind of I don't know like obviously you're very proud of the record and it's had a really really good reception. Um, has, that, has that been good to, to like see people react to it the way they have? Oh yes, yeah, it's, it's been incredible because um, we uh, like yeah we're just quite surprised by how well it's been received. I mean we had a great time making it and like you know we're still fond of the songs um, just just as well because we play them a lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just been really nice because there's been people like you know knowing the lyrics um, and like you know saying oh I've picked up your record. It's just a really nice feeling because we have put like a lot of time and effort into it and it's just so rewarding when people sort of like you know make the effort come see you and like try and decipher what I'm shouting. So that's quite nice. <laughs> you're at, you're at, I guess you're at that stage now where you have the fan base coming in, which is awesome. Um, do you remember when I first when you first noticed that happening, or was it just was it just kind of like oh? Suddenly there's more people here than there ever was before. Like, when did that happen? Or did you ever realise, shit, people actually care about our music? Um, I think it sort of came in drips and drabs. Like, there was a couple of people who got our logo tattooed, like, a year and a half ago. And I was like, that, that's mental. Like, what if we're... Like, some of them haven't seen us live as well. And I was like, what if we're terrible live? You don't know. But, um, yeah, so that was, like, incredible and mind-blowing. Um, but I think, like... Um, in regards to sort of like turnouts and things like that I'd say like our album release tour uh, was quite a, like a massive oh wow like you know people really care because I think it's um, the build up towards like releasing the album and things like that people are actually kind of excited about it well felt like it anyway um, and yeah so our album release tour really with um, maths I think it was like last May about when the album came out uh, but yeah we were just like really chuffed with the turnouts and people just seemed to be really into it so it was nice as that kind of as the style of music you guys play comes more into focus, is, do you think there's a particular reason for that? You know, the way that it's evolved from nobody liking botch to people loving people that don't just get a plan conversion and all that. Do you, do you get any thoughts on why that might have happened? Sorry, I didn't quite get that. 
Uh, the way that like the way that the kind of music you play is kind of come more into focus now. So there's like more bands that do it when there never used to be, and it's a lot more, I guess, acceptable by magazines and stuff like that. Have you got any thoughts on why that may have been, or do you never really think about that? I don't. I don't think there's any set formula for things that are popular. Like, it, there's just no reason like why things come back in fashion. I think it's just. It's almost like there's that one person in the hardcore scene or like whatever scene is like, oh, I've just discovered this old band, this old metalcore band from like O2. You must listen to it, and then like it gets people excited, and they're like, oh shit, there's more music like this. And then yeah, it's just like almost like a knock-on effect, and it just can happen with anything. Like I remember like you know, deathcore was like a massive thing, like especially when I was a teenager. Um, and like, you know, that came, well, I don't know how, where it came from, but it just, it's just like a constant thing. It's like a fashion, like, you know, 80s is back in at the moment. It's just like, yeah, it just keeps like recycling, really. You guys have toured with some awesome bands and played with some awesome bands. Um, Rolo, Female for a Friend, stuff like that, which is, you know, I remember Female for a Friend for when I was growing up back in 2002 and 13, uh, 2003, stuff like that. It's fucking crazy. They think that they're, they're about to break up, which sucks. But um, I'm kind of wondering, like, when those opportunities started coming towards you, like, what was that like? Uh, very overwhelming, especially with the Funeral for a Friend one, um, because I listened to them, like, I'm sure it is the same for like, a lot of people, but those first two albums uh, were just sort of like, you know, my soundtrack for secondary school. Um, so to be side stage on the first day of the tour, I was just like, this isn't happening, this is really weird. Um, but yeah, they're all really nice guys, and it was just a very surreal experience, but a very enjoyable one, of course. Um, but yeah, it's weird, but like, it's a really nice thing to look back on as well, because you can't quite believe it's actually happening like, whilst you know, going through it. So yeah, it's nice. It's a really good feeling. I'm wondering, um, how do you, like, obviously you've done a lot of touring last year, how, did you, how do you balance like, working, work life and band life? Is that, is that becoming a real concern now that you've been doing more stuff? Um, I think all five of us want to do this band, and we um, make sure our jobs fit around us as opposed to the other way around because obviously like we're quite like lucky in the fact that um, when we started the band we were either in uni or fresh out of uni so we were very used to being poor <laughs> quite frankly um, and uh, and yeah so we just basically chose jobs that like accommodated us um, I mean at the moment like I'm very jammy because I work for our record label so it's in the, the best interest for us to tour because we sell more records so yeah that's quite a, quite a lucky gig to get. Yeah, it's just one of those complete accident things. Um, I did an active degree in animation, never used it, spent a lot of money on it, um, and then I started interning for Holy Raw, and then, yeah, now I'm full-time, basically. I've, like, it, yeah, progressed over, I think, two years, and, yeah, started full-time in January this year. You said you spent a lot of money on a degree. Yeah, just for a second there, I was like... Oh right, shit! You guys have to pay for your degrees. We don't. We don't have to do that in Scotland. It was just so confusing for a second. I know England has got that so wrong, hasn't it? I, uh, my mum was joking around saying we should uh, relocate to Scotland for a bit just so we can get free education. <laughs> I used to work for a student loan company, um, so yeah, I, I know all about that. <laughs> if you want to know more, I can tell you later on. <laughs> also, they also showed us a big red delete button for the, for the debt. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really happen. Um, one of the things that I, I've, I've not really spoken to many girls in this podcast, it's been quite difficult to get women to come on it for some reason. Um, it makes me wonder, um, as that was as I was trying to get women to come on it, um, obviously there's quite a lot of misogyny in the music industry. Um, have you seen that um, so far, like, from, like, obviously being in a band? Um, 
I know it definitely happens, and I know quite a few girls and bands it does happen to. I mean, I've experienced it like a bit. Um, however, I kind of feel like I'm almost oblivious to it. Like I just don't think about it anymore. I don't know if it's because like I'm used to sort of like being in sort of male-dominated situations that I kind of just like you know have blinders on almost. Um, but there are times like where I'm not allowed in the venue by security because I haven't got my backstage pass and they're like, you're not in the band and things like that. So I have to call the promoter going, can I have my stage pass? And then they'll give me like the stage passes for the whole band. I'll be like, I've got six now. Can you let me in? Um, and things like that. That's kind of, I just kind of laugh at that though because I'm just like, well, hopefully, if, you know, one point in you know, a few years, people will stop um, kind of, what's the word? Sort of, you know prejudging whether you're in a band or not. It is quite hard though, because you know, everyone looks the same in bands. We all have like our black t-shirts and things like that. And I guess you get a lot of tag-alongs who do try and sneak backstage, like sold um, out shows and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, I think the best thing is just to sort of keep just just doing it. And then eventually like, it will be accepted, hopefully. Do you think there's, do you think there's um, a bit of a barrier to like women getting involved in the kind of heavy music that I guess is predominantly I guess male dominated. Um, I, I guess so. Like for, I think if you really want to do something, though, you'll just do it. Like I mean, and I don't want to be patronising. Like, yeah, girls, you know, start a hardcore band because that's lame. You shouldn't have to have someone say that to you. Go, like, oh, you're a girl. You can you can do what you want, dear. It just seems like you know unnecessary. It's just like, well, if you you know, as they say, is well, if there's a will, there's a way. Um, and if you don't want to be in a band, fair enough. If you want to do other things, like, you know, be a tattoo artist and that. But, you know, just do what you want. Um, yeah, just do that. That seems like a, a pretty good note to end on. <laughs> um, just, just do what you want, why not? <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to add or anything you want to ask me before I finish up? Mm, who are you next interviewing? I'm interviewing the singer from Citizen tomorrow night. Um, I just arranged that today, actually, so that'll be interesting. Um, yeah. Anything else? <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. What was your favourite record of last year? Oh man, did you really just ask me that question? Fuck. Um, I really like Red City Radio's self-titled album because I'm a punk kid at heart and I always, always have been. Um, Wonder Years obviously, are, Wonder Years are a weird band for me because they're kind of the same age as me and I feel as though I've kind of grown with them which is bizarre at this age now that I'm 30 it's kind of weird to say like that still happens in your mid to late 20s um, of course uh, Run The Jewels too as well yeah what about you? Um, I really liked the Caspian record um, at Dust and Disquiet I thought that was really really good and um, what else did I like? I liked King Woman Doubt that EP was really good and and obviously, like Kendrick Lamar's Pimp a Butterfly, but that's everyone's favourite album. But I'll throw that in there because it is really good. I've not heard that. Everyone keeps talking about it. And I just, like, I don't know, there's a part of me that goes, if it's not, if he's not going to sound like Prince, then I really don't want to listen to it. Cause I fucking love Prince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of difficult because I don't have um, much context in that kind of music. So I have no idea if it's good in that sort of, you know, realm of music. So my head is so, like, into metal. Uh, and things like that um, but yeah I just think it's a really good record and it's just like quite well thought out I feel um, so it's definitely worth a listen and in, like you can't listen to heavy music all the time otherwise you just kind of be you know get bored of it really that album was mentioned quite a lot in the same sort of breath as um, D'Angelo's Black Messiah I don't know if you've heard that it's um, 
D'Angelo's like he was an R&B artist in the 90s and 2000s he's only released two albums and it took 15 years to do his third record and it's like this weird sort of funky R&B odyssey and it's fucking outstanding I have to check that out yeah yeah like I need to sort of like you know have uh, more time to sort of explore different music I feel because uh, I've been doing the whole you know listening to metal all the time um, obviously always listen to metal but yeah I think it's important to have like different you know music tastes you do get fatigue after all don't you listen to the same kind of music like I, I've always been a punk kid and that's kind of like where I gravitate towards like bands like yourselves you know what I mean because it's like I love those four chords man and those melodies but sometimes I just I just want punch in the face yeah exactly I think it's important um, for genres to progress as well um, you know, for like the musicians of like say metal to like listen to different things like with certain um, like drummers in metal you can tell they might you know be more inclined to sort of jazz drumming and things like that with like time signatures and that so I just think it's just good to be all rounded really actually that makes me think yeah you know the Mars Volta drum the final Mars Volta drummer Dave Eldridge he, was, he joined that metal band with Max Clavlera and, and yeah like that record was Killer Be Killed record was fucking amazing last year oh yeah I literally I haven't listened to it there's so many things that um, people are like oh have you listened to this and like unfortunately like I um, I mainly listen to what is on Pitchfork for like sort of more of the mainstream kind of cool stuff, and then um, what is it? Heavy blog is heavy, so I just kind of go through those. At the moment. I'm trying to find like different um, sort of like zines to go through on my lunch breaks to find me your music, but I'll add that's my uh, must listen to playlist on Spotify. That's excellent. Well, Justine, thank you very much for talking to me. I appreciate it. Um, it's been a total pleasure. Oh, likewise, man. Thank you for having me. So there you go, it's a really, I thought it was a really good interview. As I've said before in this podcast, and I guess one of the general sort of themes or one of the kind of things that I tend to go for is that in the end it's just about listening to people talk about the things that they are passionate about. People get really effusive and really animated and, and, and you know, really compelling when they talk about things that they love doing and when you talk to musicians then obviously one of the things they love doing is making music and displaying that to the world. And Justine, just like everyone else I've spoken to in this podcast, thankfully, so far anyway, has just been a really engaging guest. So yeah, it's been awesome. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Until next time, bye-bye.